Good morning, everyone. This is Barry Knapp with Ironsides Macroeconomics. It's 7.12 a.m. Eastern Time. I'm in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, having been in Charlotte, North Carolina for a wedding this weekend. I'll be back in Colorado tomorrow. Our note this week was titled The Path from 9 to 3, Now What? Really was comprised of four sections. The end of the easy part, which is a bit of a broad market summary and <clears throat> relook at our 2023 outlook. Um, a section titled Parrots, which was really our inflation recap and, and poking a little fun at all the people that um, repeat this Fed narrative about super core inflation being sticky that doesn't make any sense to us because it's not. <laughs> we then wrote a section called Congruous Incongruity, where we try to reconcile our views that uh, um, earnings are bottoming, yet we are in an unstable equilibrium with this deep inversion of the yield curve for the banking system. Um, and then wound up with a discussion of asset allocation and what to do with the treasury market and uh, equity markets from this point. So first on um, our little bit of a revisiting of our 2023 outlook, um, recall that we thought the first half of the year, the path from nine to four, but then what would be all about disinflation, and sure enough, it was. Last week, we received an outstanding CPI report that <clears throat> really did um, it, it, you know, pr provide the backdrop and favorable backdrop for a pretty good first half of the year for risk assets generally, and, uh, and not so bad for treasuries really either, all things considered. Um, we then talked a little bit about the favorable liquidity environment that is a conditional aspect of the market, but not so favorable from this point forward. And then dug in a little bit about the uh, the 94 analog again. And just to underscore that point that um, the yield curve inversion is different than it was in 94 using that three month 10 year yield curve that flattened from 250 basis points at the beginning of that aggressive 94 rate hike cycle down to 50. This go around, it flattened from plus 150 to minus 160. We've made the point on a couple of occasions recently that a yield curve that deeply inverted, which is roughly uh, meant to represent the profitability of a banking system, very short-term rates against uh, lending at longer-term rates, that deep an inversion is just an existential threat, particularly to small banks. It's not about who managed the risk well or otherwise. Deposit betas do pick up over time and eventually banks will have to pay that price for the cost of funds. And if uh, the curve remains that inverted, they're not gonna be able to operate profitably. Um, but um, nonetheless, the earnings recession does look like it could be ending. We're off to a okay start at the beginning of earnings season. We'll, find out a lot more this week uh, and we'll have more to say to that about that in next week's earnings. So moving on to our recap of um, uh, the inflation data last week, this narrative we keep hearing from the Fed um, and we put a Waller quote in from his speech, which we just thought was a, a crazy um, quote about how Inflation is still sticky in the core. It's, that's all about shelter inflation. Quite frankly, if you take shelter out of the inflation measure, 
inflation is at a half of 1%. So we've had disinflation in, in almost every category except shelter, super core, for example, on a three month annualized basis, the way we calculate it, which is to take the measure of uh, services, less rent of shelter and then subtract out energy. Um, we get 1.5% on a three month annualized basis, 2.1% on a six month annualized basis, and 3.4% on a 12 month annualized basis. That 12 month annualized rate peaked at 6.8. As we said, it's all the way down to 3.4, um, but on a three month basis, it's a one and a half percent. So I, we don't even understand this idea that that is an ongoing problem. And that's been was further confirmed last week by the Atlanta Fed wage tracker, which dropped sharply for just about every measure. And in particular, we've been focused on job switchers versus job stayers as a measure of dynamism and labor market slack or lack thereof. And that's completely normalized um, back to where it was pre-pandemic. Came down sharply last week, as did the um, differential between the lowest um, quartile of income earners and the highest quartile of income earners. Again, that measure of slack has completely collapsed. So the labor market is not putting up our pressure on core services um, and uh, inflation has just cooled decidedly. The Fed should declare victory and not be tightening again. Um, they've learned all the long, wrong lessons about the 70s and uh, inflation is in a much better position and they're taking undue risk with the system. So. Um, just to, to uh, make one final point around all that, we did something of a post-mortem on this whole inflation move and then um, dropped from three, nine back to three. And anyone really crediting the Fed with this is counting on a, or relying on a counterfactual, which is what would have happened if the Fed didn't tighten, because the portion of inflation that Fed really owns, which is the shelter measure, is the one component that hasn't come down. Now it hasn't come down because of the structure of the market. And in fact, if you look at current rents or even blended rents, um, yeah, housing inflation has come off considerably, which is why we know the core is gonna continue to fall through the next nine months. But nonetheless, declaring you know, the, the Fed taking credit for cooling inflation is just not the right way of thinking about it. Supply chains cleared, um, the labor market uh, went through this great reallocation we described it is normalized and the fed didn't have much of anything to do with that um, the fiscal policy uh, impulses is eased a little bit as well although we do think that's going to be the source of a longer term higher trend in inflation because we don't see um, fiscal policy going back to where it was in terms of the transfer payments as a percent of disposable income or the increased industrial policy that's going on, all those factors we think are going to contribute to higher trend inflation over time. So <clears throat> in the next section, we titled Congruous and Congruity, we tried to reconcile um, our seemingly conflicting views between having the, seeing the end of the earnings recession versus an unsustainable monetary policy structure for the banking system. Uh, part of that is with the passive QT, and we, we went into term premiums on longer term treasuries and showed how those treasuries, because of Fed's, the Fed's balance sheet are much lower than they would be otherwise. That is actually spurring longer term investment. That's part of why the housing market is stabilizing. It's part of why longer term investment is still pretty robust. 
because those rates are lower than they would be otherwise. This was a, we still think was a suboptimal way for the Fed to tighten policy, but um, we didn't write about this, but we just have seen things about how um, income for consumers have gone up a lot because of getting higher rates on savings, yet they hold fixed rate mortgages. So <laughs> that even the consumer is really benefiting from this. The um, non-financial corporate sector turned out its debt, so it's really not struggling with the Fed's tightening. And the Fed and their um, push for simplicity actually has done this the wrong way and uh, created a dynamic where they're really not slowing investment. Not that we want them to slow investment, but um, but this is how we, we can have a bottoming in earnings for a lot of the economically sensitive cyclical parts of the economy, but still have the banking system in an unstable equilibrium. So finally, what do we do with all this? Um, at 4%, we think U.S. Treasuries are attractive for a trade. They were there for about a nanosecond after that ADP report uh, and through payrolls. Um, but then rally back, we would buy them again if we got an opportunity to buy 10-year treasuries at uh, at 4%. But most of the rally that we had is on a little bit of break-even inflation steepening. So expectations that inflation is, is kind of bottoming out here, which makes sense to us. Um, the um, real rate curve, though, continues to be very deeply inverted. There's some diversification benefits from treasuries now for um, you know, anchoring a, a bit of a portfolio that wasn't true, you know, a year and a half ago when the real rate was as decidedly negative as it is. But it's hard for us to find a lot of value in fixed income. Credit spreads are tight, mortgages are wide, but they don't carry well. Um, we just can't get terribly excited about fixed income. As I said, it does look a little better from a diversification perspective, but uh, we still think you've got to be marginally underweight from an equity market perspective, um, we're, we're unconvinced by what we saw from the first couple of banks. We'll have more to say about the banking system after this week's earnings numbers. We think they are gonna be very challenged from a profitability perspective on a go forward basis. So we still don't wanna be overweight that sector. Um, we do like being overweight, equal weighted S&P, small caps, the industrial sector, materials and energy where we think the numbers are gonna bottom out this quarter. Um, you know, we went from an underweight at the very beginning of the year to equal weight tech, which for us being equal weight tech is roughly the equivalent of being overweighted. It's such a big weight in the index to actually be overweight tech borders on recklessness because you just have your portfolio completely dominated by a frankly expensive sector. So at this point, though, given what's going on with revisions and the broader productivity investment story, we think being market weight tech is fine and uh, um, still gives you lots of exposure to that sector, which, as I said, is fairly rich. So that's where we're at with everything right now. Um, we'd have to say the probabilities still are favoring a move higher in the markets, probably all the way back to where it began at the start of 2022, roughly 4,800. Um, but uh, we are still worried about the tail risk of the banking system. So that's it for me this week. Um, have a good one, everyone. Talk to you soon. Barry Knapp, Ironsides. Thank you.